and we were in a public park and they hopped on their skateboards and they were skating everywhere. And we were all just like overwhelmed with like awe essentially at at what what had happened during this week. A group of girls who didn't know how to build and didn't know how to skateboard were now riding skateboards that they had built. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah. It was really incredible. Welcome to Remodel Your Life. shining the light on women working in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female cabinet maker in California in bringing together kitchen remodeling and working with your hands for a living. Welcome your host, Camille Finan. everyone thanks so much for listening to our second episode about women that are getting young girls into the trades last week we had judeline from new york who has an amazing program i really hope you listen to that episode about just what's possible about getting young girls into the trades this week i'd like to introduce you to another woman katie hughes who's up in pacific northwest seattle portland area and she has created a kind of similar program, but in a completely different way. And so I love the fact that we have these two amazing women creating programs that are specific to them and specific to what they think that these girls need to learn. So I really hope you listen to this episode. Katie is a longtime carpenter like me. She basically grew up on a farm using tools and was very comfortable. And um, she kind of fell into a couple of different jobs and learned carpentry and really took to it. And ended up working for Habitat for Humanity, ended up working for Oregon Tradeswomen. She's got an amazing range of skills. And at some point, she decided she wanted to really give back and kind of make it her life's goal to teach young girls how to get into the trades. And she's doing it each and every summer. So she has an organization called Girls Build. It's a nonprofit, and it's an incredible organization. This is her third year she's celebrating I really want you to listen to this and kind of see how maybe we can learn from what she has practiced and done. Try to listen all the way to the end because she talks about two projects that she has coming up in the new year and how we can help, you know, her organization, which I think is is incredible, just like Judeline. So Merry Christmas to everybody. And this will be a bright, sunny listen as we uh, join her as she's talking about how she ended up creating Girls Build after the original program with Oregon Tradeswoman ended. All right, listen in. It was to start a summer camp for girls. So I actually started a construction summer camp for girls with Oregon Tradeswoman. Oh, interesting. Yes, and then I ended up deciding to move on after quite a few years and a year after I left they cut the program so I met I had coffee with the executive director and I just said hey I'm getting a lot of feedback from tradeswomen saying that everyone wants this program to continue and I feel like I'm uniquely fit to be the person to continue it even though I you know I left the organization and what do we want that to look like and so she was happy with me starting it on my own. So I did. Nice. So then you came up with the name yourself 
and yes. sort of in, created the the nonprofit yourself as an organization and that whole thing yourself. I did. I did. I did everything from, you know, I created the website. I filed all of our tax paperwork. I filed our business licenses. Um, all of those like things that I wasn't used to or prepared for. I did all of those in addition to all the curriculum planning and then all the teaching. Right. And so what made you not be nervous doing that? <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty big, I mean, we, you don't know this about me, but I teach, we have carpentry classes for women here, but it's not a nonprofit, okay. which is interesting because the way you took it is very different than the way I took it, which was, I always like women to know how to make money with their skills because I feel strongly that right. women that have money can make better choices, right? And right. have more opportunities. So my background is in business development. So okay. I'm always trying to get women to be able to learn like how to make money with what they're doing. And right. so what I, how I came to it was my clients were always asking me, I had a very similar background. I do all kitchen remodeling and so residential remodeling. And um, all my clients were always asking me like, you know, well, how do I do crumb molding? And how, you know, I had this guy come and do baseboard and he did a shitty job and yeah. you know, he charged me thousands of dollars. And I'm like, right. oh my God, yeah. that's like worth like $200 if, if at that, right? Right, and, right. Um, so over the years, I decided to create like a small little group of cl 10 classes, basically teaching five power tools that you could use to oh, model great. your house. But they have to pay for the classes and they have to buy their own tools and all that. So my emphasis is grown women. I never could figure out a way to do children. And so, which I yeah. love that you're doing that, but that was still scary for me to do. Um, and I'm doing it basically privately. Like, how did you, <laughs> you know, get the, uh, you know, were you nervous starting a nonprofit? Were you nervous, like teaching little kids? Were you nervous that it was going to work? I mean, like, you know, there's a lot involved in that. Yeah. Well, you know, I... I wasn't nervous. So there's a nonprofit in um, the Bay Area called Girls Garage. Oh, okay. And I worked with them for two weeks one summer. And the woman there, Emily, she had started. She's she was the she's the founder of Girls Garage. And so when I was thinking about starting Girls Build, I called her and I yeah. said, "Hey, will you just kind of help me?" And she was really supportive, and she didn't even really give me a ton of like concrete advice or help it was more like I could call her when I needed when I was going through something that was like ah, you know I'm a little bit nervous about this or you know I did this or this that and and she would just kind of you know affirm what I was thinking or say like hey listen I tried that and this is what you got to do and it was really helpful and yeah. so I felt like I wasn't going through it necessarily alone even though I was yeah, and you had a friend um, you had a, like a colleague like someone to get your frustrations out or or just get to that next little step which is which is great which is part of the show too is helping each other as women just get exactly. to that next level so you were basically doing exactly. that naturally um exactly and it is just little steps you know it's you know at first it was just filing with the state of Oregon and then it was oh paying for a website oh and then getting the website up mm -hmm. and then filing with the IRS you know just like all these little things that in turn became a big thing, yeah. but they felt like very incremental, I mm -hmm. guess, until suddenly it was July and I was standing outside and girls were arriving, you know, and that was, <laughs> for, for me, that was the moment of like, oh my gosh, do they know that it's just me? You know, do they yeah. know that I've just invited them all here and I've been hired all these people and we're, you know, it's just me. It's not, yeah. that was my moment am I enough? of worry. Yeah. Am I enough? Exactly. Is this going to work? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, which which we all me, have. Yeah. Yes, and then we learn exactly. we are enough. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I'm not ex exactly afraid of failure. And I think that, like, I, 
I know that you have to try things. And if you don't try things, you don't get anywhere. And so we tried it the first year and it worked. And so there we have it. So how many years now have you been doing Girls Build and sort of what's the format of how, how it actually works? Yeah. So we are approaching our third anniversary and we've had three summers so far. How it works is basically our main focus is summer camps. So we have 40 girls come for one week. We spend eight hours a day together. Girls Build feeds them breakfast and lunch, no matter you know where we are. And they do four workshops per day, 20 workshops for the whole week. Essentially, we do three different types of workshops. So we do one workshop that's a whole camp-wide project, usually a playhouse. And the girls work on it in rotation. So there are 40 girls. We split them into groups of 10. And so group A might work on the playhouse first thing Monday morning and last thing Tuesday and the middle of the day on Wednesday, you know, and they get to do the foundation framing and then they're doing some window framing and then maybe they work on the roof. They get kind of a wide variety and they see what I really like is seeing like, oh, we all worked together Mm -hmm. and I nailed, you know, two boards together on Monday, but now it's Tuesday and there's a whole floor. So I see where my part is and I see also where I needed everyone else. Yeah, Like we and really like the, that. Component. And they see the overall process. Cause I know yes. probably what you struggled, same thing I struggled with when I was, you know, learn, learning construction yeah. was just, there's so much to pay attention to. And there's so, you know, it's just like, what's the process? Like what's the right. whole plan? Right. right? Like, right. Exactly. And, and so it's nice to see something completed and be a part of it through that whole week. So you're teaching them just like, they're really getting this bigger concept as well as they all are. the individual parts which is thrilling when you're learning construction, when you finally get that, right? It usually takes like years to get to that point. So you're showing them like, you're literally giving them the candy like right up front in a week. Absolutely. So I love that. Like they will never forget that feeling. And, you know, the interesting thing is on on Monday, I would say very clearly that the Playhouse is their least favorite workshop. Hmm. And by Thursday, it's their favorite. Like they, they, mm-hmm. when are we going to work on the playhouse? When do I get to work on the playhouse? And yeah. they're so excited because now, you know, walls are up, the roof is they're on. They're seeing and all the they're do- tangible you know. result of what they're doing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's so awesome. we do that. And then we do one individual project that's, that is also all week long. And so it's usually a woodworking project and we've done um, clocks and lamps and stools so far mm-hmm. and skateboards actually. Oh. Yeah. And so they How work cute. on that. It's oh really it's amazing actually. My husband so they, would love that. Really? <laughs> he loves to teach little girls how to ride a skateboard. <laughs> so it was so cool. So we did this this we we spent the week um we gave them just a chunk of wood. It was it was ugly. It was, you know, n- you know, needed to be planed and sand and and yeah. shaped and everything. And then we had a non local nonprofit come out and teach them how to skateboard. Wow. And so on the last day, they finished their skateboards and we were in a public park and they hopped on their skateboards and they were skating everywhere. And we were all just like overwhelmed with like awe essentially at at what what had happened during this week. A group of girls who didn't know how to build and didn't know how to skateboard were now riding skateboards that they had built. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah. It was really incredible. Um, yeah. There's something very empowering about teaching girls to skateboard. (laughs) I'm glad you're, yeah. 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 Um, Well, it's, that's what I love about my classes, even though they're just, they're women that are like 40 years old or 50 years old and their husbands told them they can't do it their whole life or their brothers or their 
fathers. Right. And then we build like a little bookcase together and they're just like nine-year-olds. I mean, that yes. transformation of being able to quickly, you know, relatively quick in a day and a week and a weekend, learn yeah. something you were always scared of or never thought was even possible. Like that transformation for women is something they very rarely get to feel in society. Like it is Absolutely. so important because you just don't get that sense in any other way. I think maybe like learning to fly a plane or, you know, like right. it, there's and something, ab- yeah, there's something yeah. about that with women, that tangible physicality of all of it. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to get across on this show. <laughs> like, yes. It is so important. Right. And I know you see it. Like I know you saw it. Like there's something yes. intangible about that transformation for women. That is, I'm not saying it's not important for boys, but boys get more chances to do that. Bicycles and they motorcycles do. and I don't know, just like, I feel like in society, women very rarely and girls specifically do not get that internal sense that happens when you build something from scratch. So I I love that you're, I just love celebrating that you're doing that. I think it's incredible. (laughs) Well, thank you. And you know, another part of that that I think is also missing for women and girls is failing. Mm, Yes. Uh, Preach. (laughs) You know, right. And so having the girls at camp they put a nail in the wrong place or they put a screw in the wrong place or they actually make a wrong cut or, you know, whatever it might be. And they learn how quickly it can be fixed or they learn like, okay, you, you cut your skateboard, you know, too short or whatever it might be. We're going to go with it, you know, or Or we're just going to get another piece of wood. It's not the end of the world. But like sometimes, but yeah, sometimes you can fix a mistake very easily or sometimes a mistake is actually a really cool thing that you've discovered. Right. And I feel like boys get a lot of, I have two boys. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like boys get a lot of opportunity to discover that and girls don't. Yeah. And so that's another big part for us is just, and the girls become much more confident and that's our part of our mission, Mm -hmm. teaching curiosity and confidence. Yeah. And so they become much more confident over the course of the week because they become less timid. They realize like, oh, I can just try it. I can just pick up the, th- yeah. the you know, the sander or the jigsaw or whatever it might be and just try it. And if I mess up, I'll just try again. No yeah. big deal. No, and nobody's you know, no watching me, right? Twice. Like nobody's exactly. watching me. Like you watch little girls now and everybody's just paying attention to every tiny, you yeah. know, miniature thing they're doing, every feeling, every emotion, every, like they're just not allowed yes. to just like be and explore and just like, have negative emotions or be frustrated or, or, and then just like work it out themselves. Like they're just not allowed to do that, to be natural and authentic. And yes. uh, So I love, I mean, I, I know that you see that happen. Um, The other thing that I noticed in my classes that I know has to be happening in yours is that boys, like you're saying are much more likely to naturally think they're good at something (laughs) when they're not. Absolutely. (laughs) And they just, a lot of boys come with a lot of internal confidence, whereas girls, it's the opposite. Like they assume they can't do it, even though they're just as good as the guy, the boy sitting right next to them, but there's just this difference in society. And so we found that the women, um, when we started doing our classes, they used to be co-ed and then we just stopped that. Like we did, we've done it for nine years. We did it for two years and we're just like, these are grown women. Like these are grown women. They won't ask any questions. Like I can tell they have questions on their face. They're not going to ask right. a question because nope. there's men in the room and all of a sudden the dynamic is totally different, right? The men take over, they ask a bunch of questions. They, yep. they sort of don't listen to instructions. They assume they know what they're doing, even though they're in a beginner's level class, right? Right. And, even though, yeah, And so the exactly. girls, the women <laughs> won't say anything. And so in the minute we took the men out, the women are just like chatting and just, I mean, like totally different dynamic, very Absolutely. outgoing and asking questions and 
and not a, not afraid to ask something stupid that they perceive as dumb or whatever and just being right. vulnerable and emotional. And so probably the girls are the same. They asked, they were way more outgoing, I would imagine, because it was just girls, right? And they could just relax yes. after a bit. They could just relax. And that's the thing that I've noticed kind of, I've done a lot of work with just women or just girls. And the thing that I noticed when I, when I was teaching, uh, when I was working for Habitat for Humanity, when I wasn't an AmeriCorps volunteer, when I was actually working for them, I was a second supervisor for their women build. And what I noticed was, you know, the women would come on site and when I'd worked for Habitat before, the women would, would automatically go toward painting or sweeping. Yep. Safe. Right. Exactly. And if, if and non-failing safe, tasks, right? You can't fail at sweeping. You can't fail. You can't <laughs> fail. And so when they came out to the women build site, you know, it was a dramatic difference for me to see, you know, there's a roll of felt paper, which is really heavy. Well, yeah. someone has to carry it up there and they look around. There's no, yep. there's no man. Mm-hmm. And so they say like, oh, well, someone has to do it and I'm a capable person. I'll just try it, you know? And that, that trying comes in, which is really important. I'll just try it. And I think in their minds, like, if I can't do it, I'll find someone else to do it. I'll find someone to help me. And it's not a big deal. Whereas if they were trying it and there were men there who could have lifted it on the first try, they'll think, well, that was dumb of me to even try. Yep. And so I really like that component where it's just getting out there. And, and it's interesting, you know, on the first day of, of summer camp, the girls, we, we load them up. They have hard hat, safety glasses, ear protection, tool mm-hmm. belt, and they have a bucket full of tools that they carry around with them. And they're kind of looking it's around really bewildered and like, what did my parents sign me up yep. for? Yes. It's like uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when we were, um, we have four different locations for camp. And when we were in Seattle this year, I was waiting for our first group of girls on the second day of camp. I was waiting. So our camps run for eight year, eight to 14 year olds is the age range. And so I was standing with the women who were going to be teaching skateboarding and we were kind of around a corner and we're waiting for the group of eight year olds and we hear this clanking. And the two women are looking at each other, and I know what the clanking is. It's the sound of teeny tiny <laughs> tool belts loaded up with tools, right? Oh, my God. How adorable. And, and this group of 10 eight-year-olds come busting around the corner, fully geared up, which I am used to seeing, yes. you know, so much in my everyday life. And the two women go, they just this, this like, very audible gasp of, like, mm. whoa, you know? And they were already so confident on, you know, Tuesday morning. Yep. And they're just rocking these tool belts, just chatting away like like they're on a construction site. And, you know, even just that quick transformation from Monday to Tuesday is really incredible. And and that's what we want. Our hope is that they take that back with them to the classroom. So, mm-hmm. okay, you're here this week. You realized all the things, you know, because we, we also do the third type of workshop that we do. I call them one and done. So, at the beginning of 80 minutes, you have a, a block of wood or you have a pipe or you have a bunch of wi- parts to wire. At the end, you have a final product after 80 minutes. And so they also see like you can do things quickly. You don't have to, you don't have to know a bunch of stuff or have a bunch of skills. You can actually just kind of plunge forward, right? And so what we hope is that by having girls at camp that they go back to school where things are co-ed. And they kind of keep that confidence with them and think like, I can try this. I can do this. Even if I am feeling a little more intimidated because there are boys in the room, 
I can do this. And hopefully they take that into their adulthood as well, right? Like Mm -hmm. they become women who, when they need to hang a picture or fix a pipe, that they just kind of like try it and see what happens. So that's a big part of it. Yeah. Well, and what I like is that you're you're normalizing this so that it's not, you, you know, we're, we're both sort of trying to normalize. I'm trying to like yes. change the whole industry so that, that it's not yes. <laughs> unusual to see a woman on a job site because women are such good natural carpenters, I think. Right. There's so many natural skills that take to it really easily. Um, it's just nobody believes that. But the minute right. you start teaching a girl that you're like, wow, this is like, so they're so good at this. Like so good at it. So yes. good at it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> so I love that you're sort of trying to normalize it and giving them this, um, you know, real internal sense of self-esteem, which is different than how pretty you are or, yes. you know what I mean? Like it's built on just your own internal thing, whether you're a mom or a professional or whatever, it's like a whole separate thing, being able to take care of yourself and fix things and do things. Um, it's a different kind of self-esteem, I think. And once you learn it, it can't ever be taken away. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing that we see too is the perspective of the parents. Mm. So on the last day of camp, I'm hearing a lot of, because we do, we do auto mechanics, we do bike mechanics, we do, we kind of try to hit everything possible. And so, you know, we hear, oh, well, when, when we get home, you're going to change out the headlight in, in our, in the car. Cause it's, it's gone, you know, it's out. Mm. Or, oh, you're going to fix the bedpost when you get home or all these things. And, you know, after one week, parents are already kind of Mm -hmm. continuing the lessons that we've started. And, and the girls are going to grow up thinking and knowing that like, this is something that they're able to do without hesitation, because not only did they go to some week of summer camp where it was all women teaching them, but their parents also believed them, you know? And that part I think is really big too. Like the parent buy-in to those skills. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually going to be my, one of my questions was, was, you know, I sometimes get very frustrated because I see a lot of progress, but I see it in very small little areas. Right. And the industry, I mean, I, we know because we're in the industry that there is a lot of things going on sort of on the underground, right? The overall society is not changing. You know, if I look around my neighborhood, most of my, you know, most of my neighbors would never let their girls do any of this, like ever. And they know (laughs) me, they see me remodel my whole house and they know what I do for a living, build kitchen cabinets and install them. Like they've seen thousands of photos of it. So I sometimes get very frustrated because I want to change the industry and I'm trying to think of, you know, creative ways to get in front of people that normally would not wouldn't be seeing it and see that it's possible and try to normalize this. I mean, I do think a big part of that is starting very, very young with parents, yes, showing these options to their children and that you can, you can make a lot of money in construction. Like it can be a very good life and there's so much opportunity and with, you know, computers and I mean, there's so many things happening right now in construction that are, that is such a huge industry that you could go into. Right. And it can be very technical you know, CNC machines and like just all kinds of things. I mean, you're doing your little part and I'm sort of doing my little part, but what do you think needs to change in the industry to really actually uh, make systemic change? Like what would be your sort of dream if you could? Well, I mean, well, I feel like that's a, I'll answer, I'll answer in two parts. Um, I think systemically when I look at, you know, when I look locally, because we work with a lot of the local um, apprenticeship training programs. And what I see is when, when I meet with the training director and that person is really excited to support us, um, when that person is really 
um, excited to have women joining the workforce, there's a huge ripple down effect. So, you know, when the training director is saying, yes, women are capable. Yes, women are skilled. Yes, we want, we actively want women and people of color, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's also another segment that is getting lost in, in, in the construction field. Um, then if you look at the people joining that trade, it's women and people of color, right? Um, in much higher numbers than when you meet with a training director who doesn't care. So that's one of those, those, um, choosing leadership, right. Is really Mm -hmm. important. And, um, because no matter how many, how many women are going into the trades, if they aren't wanted and accepted and invited, then they're not going to stay. So that's, you know, that's really important. Um, you know, as far as my dream, we get, we get phone calls and emails weekly saying, Hey, we want girls build in our town. And right now we're in, um, we're doing 13 weeks of camp this year in six different locations. And this will be our fourth summer, our third year as a nonprofit. And, um, I think my dream would be that we have programming like this all over, whether it's, whether it's a separate nonprofit or whether it's just in schools, starting with girls, you know, as young as eight or, you know, or younger, I, I feel like eight is a really good number. Mm-hmm. They're, they're open, they're capable, they can focus and starting them that young, you know, they're coming out of second grade, they're coming out of third grade. They're, they're young, <laughs> they're very yeah. young still. They're very and impressionable. They are. And when the mm-hmm. first carpenter they meet is a woman, yeah. when the first sheet metal worker or plumber or electrician is a, is a woman that makes an impression on them. That's the, that's the image they're going to conjure up when they think of an electrician or a carpenter or a plumber or whatever it might be. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important, but also just get, getting the images out. You know, I, I look at a lot of, I have, I have um, two boys and so, and they're very young. And so when I'm reading books to them, I change all the pronouns, right? Mm. Because if you look every, you know, every character in every book, I feel like is male. So whether yeah. it's an animal or whether it's a person, that welder, that, that construction worker, yes. that, that tractor Absolutely. driver, that, yeah. The, the mail carrier, mm-hmm. firefighter, whatever it might be, they're all men. And so I change all the pronouns because they're young and they don't really understand <laughs> what they look like, right? Yeah. They're and fairly so, androgynous too, a lot of times. In yeah, those they books. are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I just change all the pronouns. And, you know, and when I, you know, it's interesting, my four year old, I had a pipe wrench sitting next to the front door. I was um, taking it to the shop and he said, Mama, you know, what's this? And I said, Oh, this is a pipe wrench. And he said, oh, that's for girls to do. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, it is for girls to do. And I said, but boys can do it too. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, I want to live in a world where every single little boy thinks that tools are for girls and that they can use them too, you know? Right. And so changing that, you know, you know, yeah. it's just getting, getting the images out there, changing our language. All of that is really important. Thanks again for listening this far. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to tell you about a product I just love that helps support this show.
Oh my gosh, you guys. So today I'm opening up my Blue Apron package, which I get every single Wednesday. And I'm so excited because I get to pull out my recipe cards and see what I get this week. Basically, the first reason why I'm so excited about cooking with Blue Apron is I get to open all these little new packages every single week. A bunch of super cute little items, all individually wrapped. I mean, who doesn't like getting gifts, right? And the fact that it's food every single Wednesday is just thrilling. So I love the sound of that box opening and I get all kinds of new things and I have absolutely no idea what I'm getting each week. You can go ahead and check all of it ahead of time. And I used to do that, but then I got so comfortable that I basically just trust Blue Apron that I never even look ahead. And I love being surprised each week. Like my job is stressful and there's a lot of decisions that are being made all the time and lots of problems that have to be solved all day long. So for me, it's such a nice mental break to be able to just mindlessly, but with a lot of fun, enjoy opening up a bunch of new packages. In addition, the excitement of opening a fun box of gifts every week, like the entire Blue Apron experience, is literally the best part of cooking. That's really what Blue Apron has done for me. They've taken all the hassle out of it, all the extra expense, all the wasted food, all the lack of creativity, and trying to figure out what recipe to do week after week, They've basically streamlined it down to just the absolute best parts of cooking. That's why I love it. So if you want to experience the best parts of cooking with me, Blue Apron style, just head over to remodelyourlifepodcast.com forward slash Blue Apron and get started today. And you can get $30 off your first week and a portion of your purchases will help support my show. And I thank you so much. And I would love to see what you're cooking this week with Blue Apron. Maybe we should collaborate and write a children's book together. That'd be amazing. And, and we could have Girls Build publish it and we'll talk, we'll market it. Because <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I think that's part of, you know, it's part of normalizing it is just starting very, very, very young. And mm-hmm. um, and even myself, I'm surprised with, you know, starting this podcast and doing the show. And even I'm surprised and I'm in the industry and I'm constantly impressed by, oh my God, there's so many women doing so yes. many amazing things. but. It's never talked about. It's just in their own little groups, but it's not talked about in general population, as we say, right? It's right, with correct. civilians. And so right. that's what that's what I'm trying. That's sort of the part that I'm trying to do because my background is in business and marketing. So I right. see that as a marketing problem that right. it's happening. It's ha- There's all kinds of amazing women doing all this incredible stuff. And I mean, it's way different than when I started. There was right. nobody yeah. doing any of that stuff. But, you know, now that I'm almost 50, like, I can see a big difference. I still don't see any women on job sites, personally. But that's just because we're spread out. But there's way more than there was before. It's just most people, you know, most of my neighbors don't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) The person that comes to fix something in their house as an electrician is not a girl. So they don't actually think there are any girl electricians. You know, so I think doing, like, a children's book would be a fabulous idea so that 20 years from now – you know, maybe there's thousands of little girls that grow up and they've read that book. Um, right. They so. know what that book is. That's what their first impression is. Exactly. And boys. Yeah. I want yeah. boys to think that too. You know, yeah. I <laughs> want I want them to not know who's going to walk through the door when you say we have an electrician coming over, you know, right. whatever. Exactly. Be. Yeah. So are you open to or, or do you have plans to, you know, start satellites? Like, for instance, I would love to have you come down and show us how to do a girls build camp down here, but under your nonprofit. 
because you can't physically be everywhere. So right. like, what about, I'm learn- yeah, you're right. learning that. I'm learning that. <laughs> it's not scalable. <laughs> um, so what about doing something like that where, where you have some women that want to give back? Like I'm late, I mean, I'm at the end of my career, so that's why I'm doing right. transitioning to this. I'm sure there are plenty of women who have experience who'd be interested in helping you grow Girls Build. And like, have you thought of that, like doing something like that? So what we're working on right now, because we are, we are already growing quite rapidly. And so we started with two weeks of camp in Portland our first year, which was just, you know, two, two years ago, three summers ago, summer 2016. And this year we were in four locations and we had seven weeks of camp. Um, and next year we're going to have 13 weeks of camp in six locations. Basically, we know that, that after this, this year, mm-hmm. we can't grow anymore. There's no physical capacity to grow anymore and have me physically be at every single uh, yeah. week of camp. What we are talking about is there's some really important things about Girls Build um, that we want, if we were to start satellites or, you know, just whatever it might look like that are really important. So of course, um, the culture of safety. So making sure that everyone, every single staff person is on board, that safety is our number one issue and teaching that to the girls and making them understand it in a way that it's fun and interesting, but very taken very seriously mm-hmm. because the, the worst thing that could happen is, is one for person get injured. a kid to get hurt. Exactly. Yep. And we haven't had that yet. Yeah. And, and we've been we lucky. Very... We've, we've had like 7,000 women come through our program. We've never oh had God. one yeah. injury, not one injury because <laughs> right. they listen. Right. Women listen. When you tell them, look, this they is do. the part that's safe. This is the part that's not that big of a deal. Like, but right. this is exactly. really important right here. Um, this is the, yeah, yeah, you need to listen. And I've had to say that to girls like, Hey, you've had a lot of fun today, but I'm teaching you how to use a chop saw right now. This is very, yeah, there's certain things. This is about very this. dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, and I try not to scare them, but I say, do you, you know, I always say like, do you think that this is um, made for little girls? Do you think this is, um, if you put your finger under the blade, it's going to automatically stop. Or do you think this is just a regular mm-hmm. old chop saw that anyone uses at any job site? And that kind of wakes them up a little bit. So there's that part. Um, another part is that we really want it to be a summer camp. We get a lot of people saying, oh, we have the perfect spot for you um, inside this, you know, technical school or inside this industrial, whatever. And I think these are eight-year-olds mm-hmm. and it's summer, right. right? We want them to be outside. We want it to be fun. We play a lot of games. Mm-hmm. We, do, we do a lot of goofing around in between projects. And so there's just this culture that's really important to us that we want to pass along. And so for, for this year, um, we've actually been in Southern Oregon now for uh last year was our second year so we're going on our third year in southern oregon and i'm actually not going to be there mm-hmm. and i'm having a coworker go down and we have kind of a staff already built in down there who's kind of learned the culture understands how it works knows what's important so it's kind of how i see us growing is kind of like people coming to our portland camps learning how it works, you know, seeing it mm-hmm. in action and then being able to take it, take it to back to their location, maybe with some of our staff tagging along just mm-hmm. to kind of implement it for now, because it is so important. It's not, so there's a lot at stake. I mean, there's a, there's lot, a lot at, at stake. stake. Yeah. I totally get it. Right. Yeah. So it's maybe like, like a certi- camp or something, you yeah, know, where maybe like certifying certain people and there's exactly there's liability issues and insurance issues and things that would have to be worked out. But I, I definitely could see, 
I mean, I can think of just some of the people that listen to the show that I know are going to be like raising their hand right now. Like, right. oh my God, I would love to be a girls build, you know, director in my little city. Right. Like they're at the end right. of their career and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be building kitchens forever. Like I'm already sort right. of scaling back on that and I'm getting ready for the next 20 years of my life. And right. I want to change this industry. I want to do that and make a big impact. And this would be a way like I personally could, or some other people who are, right. you know, who've been an electrician for 30 years, you know, um, I could see that right. really working and being scalable. And, um, yeah, that's that's great. Well, that's really super exciting, and but a ton of work. And <laughs> I can see. So you're sort of testing it with this next season. You're sort of testing this new little model of being able to hand it off to somebody a little bit, correct? A little bit, yes. And we're running um, we're running camps concurrently this year. So we're going to be running. It looks like we'll be in two different locations at one time this year for the first time, and we're going to have to split our staff up. We're going to see how it goes. And, you know, and this is our, then, you know, our growing pain for this year will be like, okay, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And I would say if anyone's listening and they want to, you know, maybe see what it looks like, we can't, we don't have a lot of capacity to have visitors, but to come volunteer, to reach out to us, just go to our website and there's just kind of a contact us form, fill that out and see if you would want to come out. We had a group come out from North Carolina last year. That was really cool. And, you know, when, when we went to Seattle last year, we had a lot of local people working with us and we got a letter afterwards saying, okay, now I get it. I couldn't understand it. Mm -hmm. The full scope of it. Um, cause it's 40 hours, it's 40 girls, it's yeah. 20 workshops, it's mm -hmm. 10 staff. There's a lot. Yeah. Um, no, it's very, it's very, it sounds energy. very comprehensive. Yes. <laughs> like it is, it is. And it's also not for everyone. We learned that it takes a very special person to spend 40 hours with girls bringing your A game, right? Yeah. Teaching as well as you can, but also being fun mm -hmm. and energetic. And we had a lot of people who were volunteering last year say, I am exhausted after one day and I'm not sure how you guys do this all summer long. And so realizing that it's not just also kind of fun and games, there's a lot to it. Yeah, um, there's a marathon. I know I'm exhausted after the weekend. <laughs> like, right. Because right, you're talking exactly. nonstop and you're being super enthusiastic and you're, yes, you know, yes. there's this undercurrent of like, oh my God, I hope nobody gets hurt. So you're watching everybody constantly. You're watching and, like a hawk. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah, I, I definitely get it. <laughs> so, yeah. Keeping, and for us too, like keeping track of children, like there mm -hmm. are 40 of them. That is a lot of kids, you know? Lot. And so, you know, making sure that you have systems in place to keep them all safe and yeah. in location and things like that. And um, we have a lot of like safety protocol, even just for kind of our sites and things like that. So, but it's, it is doable and it is important. I think I'm going to call you St. Katie after this. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, a, you're, this is like being a saint. <laughs> That's a lot of work. It's, it's a lot of work. And it's also very like the yeah. most rewarding work. You know, they, it's oh, yeah. super corny, but you know how people say like, you know, you're in the right job when you, you don't mind going to work every day. Oh yeah. So, rewarding. you know, you look forward to it. And I've never, I've never woken up and said like, oh, I don't want to go to work today. Like not yeah. one day in the last, you know, three years. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, you know, that's what I want to continue. And we also want that culture for girls build. And we want everyone to feel rewarded and fulfilled as an educator as well, you know, and I think people do. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty fulfilling to be able to teach girls this stuff. So that's awesome. Well, yeah. I sure. Uh, so what would be a way that we could help you with your organization outside of, I mean, you said, you know, you know, you've got a lot of volunteers. It sounds like you're great at networking. 
so you have a lot of human resources, it sounds like, mm-hmm. um, but what would, you know, what is something you're struggling with? What's something that like our community could, could help you with? Cause that's who listens is all women yes. in the trades. So <laughs> we all well, want more of this. So what yes. can we do to help? That would be like a real two- tangible thing. Yes. Yeah, so we have two things. One is, so obviously we're a very young nonprofit and with a small budget. So we have one trailer. It's a 20 foot trailer. We're trying to buy a second one. So it's a mobile workshop is what it is. So we can travel with it and do everything we need to do to carry off one week of camp. We're trying to buy a second one. And that way we can be in two locations at once. We can travel a little farther. We're trying to buy a truck and a, and a new trailer. So I guess I would say funding. If we want to expand funding is our biggest concern because we are a nonprofit and we don't have, you know, we, we charge, uh, oh, so something else I wanted to talk about briefly. We charge for our summer camps. Um, about half of our girls attend on scholarship. We also have a partnership with the foster care program um, in Oregon and Washington, where any child associated with the foster care system gets to attend for free. And they don't even have to fill out a scholarship application. They simply kind of enter this code and they're in. And that's really important to us that we stay true to that mission, that we are serving the girls who need it and who might not otherwise have the opportunity. So we give away a ton of scholarships. So the fees that we bring in cover a decent chunk, but for us to travel, it's $50,000 per week of camp to travel. We're working hard to raise the funds for that, but also to have that second trailer, which is $28,000. So if anyone has any uh, extra change they want to throw our way, we we would accept any donations, I would say. <laughs> okay. So do you do fundraisers like throughout the year or how do you how are you doing it right now? Do they just donate on your Facebook page or like what's sort of your business model for fundraising? Yeah, so we have a few different options. Um we just had our our annual fundraiser. It's a kickoff to our giving season is what we call it. And we are part of a local giving guide called the Give Guide, which is um, pretty uh, (laughs) 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 self-explanatory. If people want to give through the Give Guide, it kind of raises our profile to to get a lot of donations. So kind of making community awareness of who we are and what we do. Right now, we're in the number two spot, which is really exciting. That won't hold because we're up against some really big nonprofits or we're in collaboration, I should say. But keeping us kind of on that top 10 is really exciting for us. If you go to giveguide.org, you can donate to us through there. We're under education. You can also just go to our website, girlsbuild.org, and you can donate there. And one thing that we were really proud of, so until this last summer, we were a staff of one, which was just me. We just hired our second staff person, full-time staff person, and we do a lot. There's a lot of bang for your buck, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. And you know, those two people are running... 13 weeks of summer camp after school programming. We also do prison outreach every Friday. We go down to the local youth correctional facility that serves only girls and women. And we do hands-on programming with them. So we do a lot um, with our staff and these, this annual fundraiser that we do every year, the last two months of the year provides a lot of the funding for that, but we also apply for grants and things like that. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like you're, you're very efficient and effective with we what are. you do have. <laughs> it's it's very people. important to me. Yeah. It's very important to me that we are efficient with our time and with our money. And I know, like, 
I'm a person who has donated to nonprofits. I still do. And I want to know that even if I'm only giving $10, that it's going somewhere really important. Yeah. We spend $500 a year on payroll, right? On payroll services. Mm-hmm. And it drove me crazy. And I was talking to a funder and I said, do you think there's a way that we could get on, like we could use your payroll services? Like you have, you know, 2000 people on your, on your staff. Can you convince your payroll services to just donate this service to us for free? Hmm. And she was like, how much money is, is this payroll that you're talking about? And I was like, well, it's, you know, whatever per month. She's like, that's only $500. And I said, yeah, and it's $500 that I don't want to spend on payroll services of all things. Yeah. And she was laughing and I was like, I mean it. Someone, if someone walks into our fundraiser and donates five hundred dollars, that's a lot of money. That could buy a lot of tools. Exactly, it's a lot of money. It could buy like thirty hammers. Exactly, exactly. And I don't want it to go to payroll services. I think that I think that we're a nonprofit, and someone should donate that for us. So we we really do think about Mm. those small things that other people kind of maybe blow off. Yeah, but. 500 bucks is a lot of money and I want that to go to our funding, to our girls. You know, I want to be able to offer more scholarships or do a really cool project that we spent $500 on materials for, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so that's really important and it's driving force. Um, It's in our staff handbook. Like think about the person who donated the $10 also with your time. Right. We pay our staff really well. You know, our summer staff, we pay Mm -hmm. them very well. We want to offer living wage jobs. That's what the whole thing is about. Right. But be efficient with your time. When your day is done, clock out. You right. know, yeah. don't spend someone's $10 on, you know, kind of chatting it up or whatever it might be. And people take it seriously. So awesome. anyway, that's one thing. The other thing that I kind of wanted to plug, um, since I have a wide audience, is we are currently looking for girls who are 5 to 17 years old who are doing any sort of building on their own. So, you know, someone you might know, a daughter a neighbor kid, you know, a school maybe that has a really cool program that we could plug into. We're working on a project highlighting girls all over the country who -hmm. are doing these things. And we really want to find girls who are already doing them and we kind of reward them for the efforts that they've put in and the time they put in. And so if you know a girl who's doing that, and again, you know, between five and 17, shoot us an email or get on our website and fill our contact sheet and just let us know kind of where she lives and what she does. And we want to kind of highlight that. That's awesome. Well, and we can certainly help when you get that together. Just yeah. come back on the show and we'll we'll talk about that, the girls on the show. You know right. what I mean? We can, we can put that out and add like a little audio to the story. Um, That'd be amazing. Yeah, I think that's fabulous. So that's great. Well, you've, uh, you've got a busy life. <laughs> You're doing a lot. <laughs> Um, well, I certainly appreciate you being on the show. I know, I know your time is very valuable and it sounds like you're uh, making a real impact in your, in your corner of the world. Um, trying, and, yeah. <laughs> and I love it. And I appreciate you coming on the show and just doing what you can to, uh, you know, just help girls get into carpentry. I think it's fabulous. Well, thank you. And thank you for doing what you're doing for helping educate women and to everyone listening out there, I think it's really important that we're doing what we're doing, that we're going out there every day and building in whatever way that looks like and showing, kind of paving the way, everyone listening right now is paving the way for the girls going through my program to do whatever they want to do, whether they get into construction or whether they get into just some other world, engineering, whatever it might be that people say is not ready for girls. 
everyone listening out there by just simply existing in their careers, in the jobs, doing the things that they're doing every day, they're paving the way for these girls to have it a little bit easier. So we, on our end, Girls Build really appreciates everything that y'all are doing. That's awesome. for listening to Remodel Your Life. I sure have enjoyed being with you today. And if you really like our show, we'd love it if you would subscribe through iTunes. You can always send us feedback through email at Camille at RemodelYourLifePodcast.com. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Remodel Your Life Podcast. This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to RemodelYourLifePodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. Yes, sometimes you can fix a mistake very easily, or sometimes a mistake is actually a really cool thing that you've discovered.